Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back and welcome to Gardening Naturally on a lovely Sunday day. It's... uh, Really pretty good working outside weather right now. Tomorrow, we start getting into the risk of some rain. And I say risk only because if you planned on being outside to do something and it's raining, that gets to be difficult. Now, unfortunately, we need every drop of rain we can get and it's not going to be all that impressive. Later reports are starting to improve the numbers, but we're like nine inches behind, eight inches behind for the year. And that's not going to improve anytime soon. So we can only hope for the best and be able to pick up as much rain as we can Let's go to the phone. This is uh, this is Bobby. Bobby, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. Uh, yes, uh, I, I texted you yesterday about uh, the beehives. After the the drought, some cracks were made in the ground, and I think the bees found a good place uh, to build a nest or hive or whatever you call that. And uh, so I'm uh, trying to not to bother them. And you said, um, you know, I think you put a couple of bricks on them or something like that. On the other hand, about 30 minutes after my text, I think you mentioned something about beehives being built on the trees and you were suggesting not to splash them with water or chemicals or whatever uh, and that they're they're transferring to another area or migrating, I think, south or something. So um, I mowed around them, gave them a 10 by 10 uh, area, and I was wondering if that's true for those as well, for my bees. Uh, will they will they move on and I can, uh, you know, without bothering them? They may. They may move on. Because they built in the cracks in the ground, Getting rain means that that's going to start compressing and that's going to take their space and maybe it'll push them out. There are several wasps and there are several types of bees that make a nest in the ground. And there's not a lot you can do about them. Um, Sometimes they have a single entrance and that's where the brick comes in. If you can cover the entrance to where they can't get out anymore, the hive will die. Um, Okay. They may move on. They may move on. Um, It depends on the actual variety of bee. And I'm sorry, I can't, with the naked eye, tell you what kind of bee it is. But there are bees that thrive in the ground and... It kind of depends on, you know, how many of them are there. If you got a little hive that's got maybe 
20 to 100 bees in it, uh, probably not going to be a problem. But if you've got a 1,000 to 10,000 beehive, that's going to be an issue. And I doubt you've got one that big. They may move on, and if we start getting rain, they may drown, which is terrible, but it solves the problem for you. Well, at least it's done naturally rather than me doing it, so. Because yeah, I feel bad yeah. about hurting the bees. As you have said over the years, we need bees. So. Yeah. So hopefully, um, hopefully that'll happen, that they'll move on or something. Now, there's Great. another option for you. And there are beekeepers who will come and collect stray hives. It's free bees for them. I actually had a beehive form in my water meter box and got a hold of a beekeeper and she came and took it all out and then we could seal up the 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 water box so they wouldn't come back in there. She got free bees, I got my problem resolved. So you oh, that's could a great consider idea. Yeah, you could consider getting a beekeeper to come out and looking to see what have you got in the ground and can they get rid of them for you. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I just didn't want to hurt them, honestly. Yeah, the, you. I won't speak for all of them. Some of them will do it for free. Some of them may come out and charge you. Depends on how much work they got to do. But there are solutions other than trying to just kill them all. That's right. Okay. Well, I'll go online and look for those names. Thank you so much, Jeff. Great show, as always. You bet. Good luck. Yeah, folks, if you have bees forming a hive somewhere and you don't need them there, and please don't think they show up and it's been three days and, oh, I got to get rid of them, they'll they may move on. But if you need to move them, you can get a beekeeper. You can start calling around at the beekeepers and say, who can come and do this for me? Let's go to the phone. This is Tony. Tony, what can I help you with? Hello. Um, I was just listening to the conversation about bees. I'm, I'm a local beekeeper. I've got quite a few hives. If they're down in the dirt, more than likely those are yellow jackets. And the way to tell the difference, yellow jackets are more of a plasticky, shiny look to the body. Bees are actually kind of fuzzy and hairy, so um, they're kind of a more of a dull look to them. But I would definitely take a closer look because more than likely it's not bees. Yeah, you know, Tony, I thought that. I know yellow jackets can form a pretty healthy-sized nest in the soil, and the difference between a bee and a yellow jacket is that a bee, you know, provides this pollination and honey and all those kind of things. And um, a, a yellow jacket is just a pain. <laughs> they're, you know, th that's all they're going to do is want to sting you. And yellow jackets so, also go after bee colonies. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah they're not a favor of ours either. But you and another point. Yep. It's another rule of thumb is if you can see them. 
right? Another rule of thumb is that the higher the colonies, generally the nicer the bees, the closer they are to the ground, more typically the meaner they are. Uh-huh. I like mean these, but that's another discussion. Yeah, I hadn't heard that, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, huh. I have to keep that in mind when I'm out on my property and hopefully don't find any surprises with bees coming out of everywhere. Um, but I didn't want to say they were yellow jackets. That's what I think they are also, but they really need to be looked at. It's kind of hard to have him ask me a question on the radio and I have no idea what he's actually dealing with. Right, right. But yeah, the rule of thumb is that all of your wasps don't have hair, so they all kind of have a plasticky body looking, where the bees just look like fuzzy little love bugs. All right. (laughs) Thanks a lot for that, Tony. We'll be able to keep track of that from now on. All right. Have a blessed Uh, day. Thank you. You too. (laughs) That's a good, good observation, folks, whether it's a bee or a wasp. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I don't know if you heard in the last section. Uh, there are lots of ground-dwelling insects. There are bees that will have ground nests, but a hive in the ground is a lot less likely. And if you've not had the opportunity to notice, a yellow jacket looks a lot like a bee. The colors are there, the striping, but the yellow jacket isn't hairy. A bee's got all this hair on him. You can see as it collects pollen and turns him yellow, but a yellow jacket doesn't. And you can find a fairly large yellow jacket hive in the ground, a scary large yellow jacket hive in the ground. So you have to understand when you get these events, you got to know what you're dealing with. That may require you to call someone who could answer that question for you. And it's a little different. If you've got a beehive in the ground, nobody wants to harm the bees. But if you've got a hive of yellow jackets, they have their purpose also, okay? They're not somehow a lesser insect. But it's a whole lot different in dealing with them. You can be a little more aggressive to get rid of them because they'll be more aggressive and try to chase you off. And that's the thing about a wasp or a a yellow jacket, that type of insect. They can sting you more than once. You know, it's not bad enough that they come at you and they tag you. They'll do it all day long if they can get away with it. Now, bees can only sting once. 
they die after they sting. So sometimes it's a safety issue. Sometimes it's really something about safety that, hey, I'm sorry, Mr. Yellow Jacket, you need to move on. Not me, you need to move. And it's frustrating, and I've had that happen to me, be on my riding mower, be mowing a patch of ground, and suddenly I'm like, what are all these flying things? And ow, oh, that's what they are as they sting me. But they moved on after that happened. Really, they're as necessary as almost all of the insects. Wasps and yellow jackets are pollinators. And they can be kind of a last resort pollinator in some cases because there aren't bees around. But um, that sting is not, not pleasant. Gets to be gets to be difficult conversations out in the garden. Another thing that we'll have people talk about is spiders. I mean, we could you can wind up being out in your garden and man, there's this huge orb spider. You know, a couple inches long. Those are good guys. Those are really good guys. They get rid of a lot of bad bugs. Even littler spiders, that's what they do. There's only really three bad spiders in Texas. Black widow, brown widow, and brown recluse. And they're not rare, but it's unlikely in your garden to get attacked by one of them. All of the other spiders are very beneficial. The little wolf spiders that are kind of aggressive, they think they're a lot bigger than they really are. They love uh, cucumber beetles. So they help clean out a pest from your garden. Work with nature. Don't try working against nature. Nature's gonna win. You might as well try to bet on the same thing she is. Now, the wasps, the bees, spiders, these are things that can be beneficial. And yeah, they can give you a sting, but they usually won't unless you aggravate them. I don't have the patience. They freak me out, the wasps do. The big red mud daubers, ah, that is just too much for me. It's like, sorry, you can have this particularly, or this particular space and I will go somewhere else. Hate them things. But that's just my phobia, okay? Mud daubers are really good because they will capture black widow spiders, stun them, and 
stuff them in their nest, then lay eggs on it. That's really a cruel way to go, isn't it? When they stun them, they paralyze them. So they drag them, put them in the nest, lay an egg on it, and that's going to feed the mud dauber's babies. So there's always this interaction between all the creatures in the garden. Don't assume that you wipe out one of them, that things are going to be better. Because if that particular pest controlled some other pest, now you're going to get a flood of something different. Since nobody was preventing them, now we get a whole bunch and we got to figure out a way to get rid of them. That's why we should always work first. You have to identify the pest you're working with. Is this a bad guy or not? That's rule number one. Because sometimes it may not be. Maybe it, uh, maybe it depends on the time of the year. If it goes and it's chewing holes in some leaves on your trees, but your trees are going to drop their leaves anyway soon, what's the problem? Because the guys making those holes are either food for somebody who will eat them or they're eating other insects that are bad for the tree. There's this great relationship, what goes on in your garden. Try not to interrupt it. You will find that things go much better if you can let things just work themselves out. Wipe out all of one kind of bug, man, you got problems. There's going to be somebody else who's going to suddenly not be getting eaten and they're going to bloom. And they may be much worse than the bugs you took out. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to break for the news at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, we have some really nice weather coming. And it may be backed up with a little rain. You will probably get tomato, pepper, um, they will probably be giving you harvest. You will probably see, uh, we're a little warm, believe it or not. So putting in broccoli, cabbage, or cauliflower, you want to be careful because too hot a temperatures will stunt them and you'll get really small heads if you get any. But the nighttime temperatures are great. You could look at starting beets, peas, uh, and that includes snow peas. You could look at green beans again, or first time for the year, planting green beans, uh, carrots, beets, um, kale. This is a really good time for these plants. 
if you can pick them up as a start, they'll take right off for you. These temperatures are great, and we're going to get rain, just enough rain that won't wash them out, won't dry, drown them, but we'll provide them exactly what they need, the right kind of water. Remember, rainwater is acidic. Tap water is not. Now, uh, rainwater will really buff up your lawn, too, because it makes certain nutrients available that are not as readily available when you use tap water, when you use city water or well water. But that rainwater, you're going to see your lawn really green up. Let's go to the phone. This is Matthew. Matthew, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. I had a question about um, feeding the lawn, but we don't we don't own the property, so we're renting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the best way to get a green lawn uh, without putting too much money into it? Um, this is a proper time to do a turf fertilizer. And there's a lot of them out there, good ones, uh, organic ones. If you put it down this weekend, today especially, this week it's going to rain just enough to start dissolving that fertilizer so it works its way into the turf. And that will allow the turf to grow good roots so that next spring you have a nice green grass. But okay. there are... Should we yes. till it or anything? Do we need to? Nope. Do anything? Just put it on top. Yep. If you want to put in a little extra effort, get a garden rake and simply rake it across the turf or the soil. What? Either one. You're just breaking the surface up a little bit so that the turf has some place to go. But you don't need to do any heavy duty work like tilling. That's that's um, not going to give you a big benefit. Okay. Well, thank you for the advice. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Um, let's see here. That was Matthew. Um, we're going to be going to time for the grass to go dormant. So your fall fertilization isn't to make the grass green. That fall fertilization may help green up the grass a little bit, but that's not really its purpose. Its purpose is to feed those roots so that they'll expand, so that they'll get bigger and healthier, so that in the spring, you have better turf to work with. If you want a good green grass, that is something where you could look at overseeding with the rye grasses. Overseeding with rye, rye grass will grow in cooler weather then your turf grass will. And rye grass grows pretty dense and fairly quickly. 
So you let it overseed while your grass goes dormant and the rye is going to come up and look bright green. You may still have to mow when other folks are done because their grass is dormant and you've got the rye, but it'll look good. And it can handle colder weather than any of our turfs. And then in the spring, when the rye is coming up and nice and green, the idea is that your existing grass will start to come back in the spring and will start to make good green turf. When it gets too hot, the rye grasses will die out. They don't like the heat, but your turf grass does, Bermuda, St. Augustine, etc. So overseeding is one way to keep your turf greener longer. But fertilizing, while it may brighten up your grass for a little bit, its purpose is really to improve those roots, dense, thick, deep roots. All of those things are exactly what your turf wants to produce a really green, healthy lawn. So if you haven't yet, fertilizing for the fall is a good idea. You know, I, I kind of lost track of time here and forgetting that it's the middle of October we probably would have put down fertilizer before now, but it's been so hot. Now is a good time. And with this rain coming, we're not gonna have overwhelming rain that'll wash things away, but we're gonna get rain that'll help melt that fertilizer into the turf get it down deep into the soil where the roots are that need it. So this is a good time of the year to take care of that. Remember, if you use an organic fertilizer, it will hang around longer in the soil and the plants will take it up only when they need it. You won't be forcing your turf, your garden, your trees to take up fertilizer when it doesn't need it. That can be hard on the plant. The organic fertilizers break down slowly. They make nutrients available for when the plant wants it. They don't wind up forcing it into the plants. So, that is one thing that you can look at. There is an advantage to the dry granular fertilizers for your turf at this time of the year. And there's a lot of good ones out there, a lot of really good fertilizers. Easy to apply, safe, won't burn out your lawn, and a little will go a long way for many of these products. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. 
This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I got texted a question that I, I probably should have mentioned and didn't. So I have someone texting me and asking me what numbers for the fertilizer, for the turf. Low numbers. You don't need super high numbers on anything when dealing with turfs. Now, there is a uh, fertilizer from Nature's Creation, and it's a 612. There's 824 is still available, a great turf. Medina has one that is about a 10, and it is a good fertilizer. These are all dry fertilizers that will work very well. You do not need some ridiculous number fertilizer. It is not really going to help. Now, this is kind of, it's not much of a rule of thumb. It's not perfect by any means. But if you add the three numbers up, take, for example, 8, 2, 4, they total 14. If you take um, Nature's Creation, 6, 1, 2, add it up, that's 9. This total is less than 14. Now, there are rare cases where you can get organic elements that will be higher when you add them all together, higher than 14. But normally you want to use a product where the sum total of those three numbers is 14 or less. That's kind of a rule of thumb to indicate that you're using an organic fertilizer and not a chemical fertilizer, a conventional fertilizer, excuse me. And they're the best for your turf because they make themselves available only when the plant needs them. They are forced into the plant and they won't be washed away easily. They will stay close to the roots of your plant. You don't have to worry about them uh, flooding off into the watershed. Now, you can get uh, a bag of fertilizer and it'll tell you how much to use. It'll tell you how many square feet does it cover? Well, how big is your property? Because a single bag will cover my backyard twice. That's pretty nice because that gives me my first in the spring fertilizer and my last in the fall fertilizer in one bag. And it's easy to apply. All of the fertilizers that I mentioned that are the dry fertilizers you can put on a pair of gloves and use your hands to fertilize. You don't need a spreader or anything. If you have one, that's great. It's a lot easier to be uh, spread out for you. 
it's more consistent in how you spread it. But we don't need high, high numbers of anything when you fertilize your turf. And using an organic fertilizer means it's more likely to hang around to be there when the turf actually needs it. Now, we're in the good window if you're gonna fertilize for fall. And the advantage of some of these turf fertilizers, hey, guess what? They'll do just fine on trees too. So you can use this and spread it through your yard knowing that you're gonna fertilize not just the roots of your turf, but the trees that are in the yard. So if you're doing that, you may not necessarily need to have more fertilizer just for your trees. That is not a hard set rule. Sometimes you have trees that would appreciate more fertilizer than you're giving your turf. But also, there are plenty of trees out there, don't fertilize them, they'll grow. Like I said, there's no little gnome in the middle of the woods, late at night, spreading fertilizer. It's kind of up to you, but that is the advantage of the low number organic granular fertilizers. And there's a lot of them out there, a lot of very good ones. You should be able to find them all at your local independent nursery. So just check with them and ask them, what do you got? They usually will have a great, uh, a great selection for you. You may have a problem because they carry lots and lots of different lawn fertilizers. If that happens, here's a simple solution. When you fertilize this fall, pick one of those fertilizers, just enough to do for your fall. In the spring, pick a different one. Rotate through them so you're getting the benefits of all of the fertilizers and you'll be able to see the appearance differences in your turf grasses. That's the easiest way to choose. You may go to a smaller nursery and they only have one particular fertilizer. That's okay. That's okay, you can use that one and it will do the same thing. It will provide you a good turf, a green lawn, and will go a long ways to starting to improve your yard so that if, and more than likely, when we get that super hot summer again, your soil will be ready for it, your turf will be ready for it, and we won't take the beating that we did this year. That's the only solution to our heat, better soil. Soil that preserves water, that allows for deep roots that grow into cooler soil, that provides lots of places for the little critters to live. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're done for the hour. 
I will talk to you all again next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Have a great weekend.